refreshing. Do you need refreshing? There's very, very little that can be more bothersome in life than being weary, being worn out, being tired, overcome with fatigue. And if you're young in here today, and uh, I love seeing our young people in here. They had an excellent deal on Friday night, had a good time from what I hear. Um, you, you may think you're tired. <laughs> you let a little bit more life get on you. <laughs> My son's 14, and, and we'll, he'll say, I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, oh, you don't know tired. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Just wait, it's coming. But there's some things, you know, about life being tired, being worn out. It's, it can be problematic. It can be challenging. It can, there's just something about being weary. And I, I'm certain that I'm talking to people today that you know what it is to be weary in your body. You know what it is like to be very, very worn out and tired. Whenever Shelly and I were first married, we, uh, our son was born, born, not first married, but shortly after a couple of years of marriage, our son was born, and uh, I was working a job for uh, an aircraft company, and it required a lot of long hours, uh, 12 hours minimum sometimes, 14 hours, and even longer. I remember one night I went to work uh, at a regular shift time. I was on second shift at the time, and uh, got into work, worked my regular hours, which on that particular day was 12 hours, and then the plane was needing to be moved, and so, but my manager came to me and another guy, and he said, hey, we have this part before this plane, before we leave this plane tonight, it has to be on, and so I said, okay, we'll, we'll make sure it gets put on there, and in the middle of moving the plane, they had these this equipment that would move it automatically, robots that would move the plane from docking station to docking station. And in the middle of the move, it broke down. And so we were stuck. And I was at work all night until the next morning. I got home about 10 a.m. And I had to sleep for a couple of hours. I had to be back at work at 3 p.m., and that was, that was my night. That was a worn-out day. I was weary, I was tired, I was worn out. But I'm just using that as an example. But I can remember one time our son, he's an infant, he's not sleeping. You know, infants love not sleeping when you want to sleep. And then they, they love sleeping whenever you need to be awake, right? And it's like you just can't sync up and line up. And so he was an infant, and we got to this place. I had went back to work. Shelly was still home with Wyatt taking care of him. Uh, but I can remember one night just being so tired, and he was so fussy. And I was working with heavy machinery, and I knew, like, if I keep getting any more tired, I'm putting my life in jeopardy. And so one night I said, babe, y'all have got to go somewhere else <laughs> so I could get some sleep. And I remember another night where the smoke alarm above our head started beeping. You know, the battery was dying. And my wife elbowed me 
And she said, the alarm's going off. And I said, it's not my alarm, it's your alarm, just turn it off. And she was talking about the smoke alarm. She had to stir me and get me up because I was so weary and tired and worn out. And I know we, we talk about those stories and look back and reflect, but every one of us at some point, we know what it is to be weary and to be worn out. In Genesis chapter 19, we have the story of Lot and his family. They're in the city of Sodom. Sodom's a wicked place that God has determined that he is going to destroy. But before he's going to destroy the city, he needs to get Lot and his family out and to safety. He has promised Abraham that he would deliver them from the coming judgment. And so God sends two angel messengers to tell Lot's family what they need to do. As the two angels are convincing Lot to leave Sodom, the men of Sodom surround the house and they are threatening to come in and to harm them and do evil. And so these angels are in the house trying to convince Lot to leave. The men surrounded the home threatening to harm them. Lot does everything that he can to calm down the situation. He goes outside and tries to get these men calm. Well, the men, they don't receive it. Instead, the situation begins to get more intense, and they're really starting to be in danger. So in danger, in fact, that the angels reach out through the door and grab Lot and pull him into the house to protect his life. And when they do, the men are trying to break down the door and rush through. And so the angels, it tells us that they reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them, shut the door. Verse 11, they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. They smote them with blindness, and they became weary trying to find the door. The messengers of God hit the men of Sodom with blindness so that they could not find their way inside. And this blindness was so effective that in searching for something that had been right in front of them, they couldn't find the doorway. That's some blindness. They wearied themselves. They wore themselves out. They grew tired trying to find that doorway. Have you ever lost something? You look everywhere that you can to find it. You look to the point of frustration. My wife and I, we lost something a little while back. We still haven't found it. We quit looking. You get to that point where you just give up and you say, you know what? Maybe it'll pop up as I'm going through my life. Maybe it'll show back up. You get so weary for looking for the thing you've lost that you give up. You aren't going to spend any more time and energy on it. These guys got so wore out trying to find the door that they eventually gave up. They had been looking right at the door, but now in their blindness, try as they might, they could not find the door that had been right in front of them until they got so weary they quit trying. 
we live in a very blind, weary world. We live in a weary and confusing world, a blind world. Recently, an article that I read came across my desk said, the top three things this current generation faces are loneliness, burnout, and depression. The world is a weary place, and it's full of weary people. It's a confusing place, and it's full of confused people. Blind people, blind to the things of God, blind to what God is trying to do, blind to even the enemy that comes against them and seeks to wear them out and make them where they can't find the door that they need to find in life. It's a blind world, a weary world, a sin-sick world. Sin and Satan have done a lot to make it even more confusing, a blind and weary world. You see, that's what sin does. Sin blinds us. Ephesians 4, 17 through 18 says, This I say, therefore, testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, they're blind, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's what sin does. Sin brings blindness into our lives. It keeps us from seeing what God is wanting to do, trying to do, what God has for us. That's what sin does. Sin has this blinding power. Satan blinds. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. This is a blind and weary world, a worn-out world, full of worn-out people who are blinded by the God of this world and blinded by sin. And I may be speaking to some this morning that you need a refreshing in your life. You have been looking and searching, trying to find the answer to the point of being so weary and worn out that you're ready to give up and surrender and say, well, if I happen to find some reprieve in life, then it will just come my way. But you're done searching because you're so worn out. Put on top of the blinding confusion sin and Satan do in our world a religious world that offers every option imaginable. Over this weekend, there will be people that gather in temples across the area here, if you've not seen them. There's Hindu temples, there's mosques, there's every kind of religion imaginable. And millions and millions of souls will be lost because of options. You ever ask the question of why there's so many variations or versions of Christianity even? What is it? It's blindness and confusion. Jesus said of the religious elite, the Pharisees, that they were the blind leading the blind in Matthew 15, 14. So we have a world full of people that are blind and weary, searching for answers, often led by other blind people into blind destinations, and guess what? Satan is happy about it. He's having a field day because he would have nothing more than you to stay in blindness and stay in weariness and stay looking for an answer that you'll never find. Because as long as you're too blind, 
As long as you're too worn out to keep searching, as long as you're too weary, you can't find the door that you need to find, and he is satisfied. You can be sincere, but still be blind. You can be a good person, yet be blind, be confused, and be weary. God has an answer for being blind and weary. Jesus gives us an answer for it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he gives this invitation. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus has something that no one else can offer. No one else can offer. Jesus offers rest. I was talking with one time with uh, a, a gentleman that was a, he was a, a Hindu, and he was talking about the, the many gods, and I had asked him a question about all the gods that they serve. And he said, you know, it's this. Here's the thing. There's a God of this day, and there's a God of this week during the year. There's a God of this month, and there's a God of this season, and there's a God. And he named through all of these gods, and he said, so if I want to be blessed in this particular week on this day at my job, I want to make sure those gods are appeased. I don't want any of those gods getting in my way. Contrast that to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. Not if you make me happy, I'll do this for you. Not if, if you satisfy me on this week, I'll give you the blessings you've been looking for. He says, there's rest in me, and any who are weary, let them come to me. If you're heavy laden, if your labor is hard, you come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I am the door, John 10 and 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. What does that word pasture mean? It represents getting reprieve. It represents going to the place that, that was safe and there would be food there and there was everything that you need. Because for the shepherds that were listening to Jesus, they understood what it meant. Whenever they would take their sheep to the pasture, it meant they were going off to the hillside where there was plenty for the sheep to graze on there was plenty to sustain the sheep the sheep wouldn't have to struggle there the sheep wouldn't have to be in trouble they would have pasture that's what Jesus was saying he said if you're weary if you're tired if you're heavy laden if you're worn out if you're tired of searching there is a doorway that you can go through that blindness can't keep you that being worn out can't keep you when you find the doorway that's where you're going to get your refreshing Thank God that in the middle of all the confusion, there's a door. Thank God that in the middle of all of the weariness, there is a door. And if you want to find rest, you need to find the door. Jesus is that door, and that settles it. Stop searching, stop reaching, stop wandering, stop trying anything else, stop stumbling through life, being worn out by sin, Satan, and your search. Jesus is the door. It's the thing that you've been looking for, trying to find. Jesus is the answer. And Jesus gave the keys to the door to Peter. It happened in Matthew chapter 16, 16 through 9. Jesus asked his disciples a question, who do men say that I am? And several of them said, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say that you're Elijah, Elisha, come back. Every one of them had some different answers. Who do you say that I am? 
And so Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven heaven jesus said i'm the doorway and if you want rest you got to come through me if you want salvation you got to come through the doorway but then he said peter i'm giving you the keys he noticed that peter had just proclaimed a revelation of who jesus is the christ the doorway he's emmanuel god with us he said i'm giving you the keys and so i want to give someone the keys today to find your refreshing. We have the door, Jesus. We have the man with the keys, Peter. Let me share with you the times that he used those keys to access the doorway. The first time was on the day of Pentecost. It happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and verse 38 are what we're going to read. But there, that's when the Spirit of God fell on all mankind that day. It happened. Those in the upper room, the Spirit of God was poured out on them and they begin to speak with new tongues it happened just as the prophets had said on that day and some men that were outside that heard what was going on they asked them and said what is this some are drunk so they said they're drunk they got to be drunk it's early in the morning but these guys are obviously drunk peter says no they're not drunk let me tell you about jesus and he starts preaching to them the doorway the doorway in verse 37, they ask, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we need to do? Now that we know where the door is at, what do we need to do? Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice they were to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter was exercising the keys to the doorway. The next time he did it was in Samaria. In Samaria, it's Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip went down to preach for them. If you go and study the story, Philip and a lot of the Christians of Jerusalem start to become persecuted, and so they scatter. Philip goes to Samaria. And when he's in Samaria, he starts to preach. Verse 12 is where we're picking up. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. But God's not done yet. God wasn't finished. Instead, Peter and John are sent to help them get through the doorway. Acts 8, 4, 14 through 17. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Why did they come? Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They came so that they'd receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Notice again what Peter does. He accesses the doorway 
beyond just this world through Jesus Christ. The supernatural God moving in among man and moving among them and touching them. They repented and they were baptized and they received the Holy Spirit. It happens again in Acts chapter 8 at the home of a Gentile named Cornelius. Peter preaches to these Gentiles about the door, Jesus Christ. And while Peter is preaching, Verse 44 says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Why were they astonished? They were astonished because as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on all the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So here are the keys that Peter used and exercised. And I want to share them with someone today that maybe you're weary, maybe you're worn out, maybe you've been searching for some kind of refreshing in this life. The doorway that you need to find is Jesus Christ. And when you find that doorway, the keys are these, to believe, because you can't receive anything from Jesus if you don't believe. You have to believe. And then you repent. Repent of the sin and your life. It means just simply turning away from your life as it is. Turning away from the world and turning toward God. Many times it's confused with just asking forgiveness, but that's not what to repent is. Repent means literally to turn your life around. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And sometimes it takes some doing to turn around. It takes some doing to turn around. I used to own a Prius. And every time I needed to make a U-turn, I could do it. Give me two lanes. I could make a U-turn. I own a truck now. And if I'm going to make that U-turn, you know the direction I turn first? It's away from the way I'm going to be turning. Because I'm turning away, and then I'm turning that thing back around. Now, I'm not saying that you need to turn away from God in order to make a U-turn. But what I am saying is that sometimes that repentance is more than just saying, God, forgive me. Sometimes it's turning your life around, and it takes time. It takes some effort. It takes some work. But it shows God, God, I'm not satisfied with this world. I'm not satisfied with the blindness I've been living in. I'm not satisfied with life as it is. I need refreshing. The next thing that you notice is they were all baptized in Jesus' name. Baptism is a unique thing. It's not just simply a confession of faith. It's not just a public act. But scripture tells us that some things happen in baptism. When we are baptized in that water, nothing special about that water. I haven't prayed over that water for hours and hours and hours. It's not holy water even. It's just some good old-fashioned tap water. But that water, when combined with faith, and we're baptized in Jesus' name. It washes away the stain of sin. That's what scripture says. It says it's for the remission of sins. It's for cleansing and washing away the stain of 
sin. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And those are the keys. And when those keys are put into the doorway of Jesus Christ and they're turned and exercised to open that door, something happens. His response is to fill us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you'll know when you receive it. He doesn't leave you wondering if the door opened to you. He lets you know immediately because every example of Scripture shows that something happened. Something visible and audible happened. And they spoke with new tongues. If you're here today, you're watching online, you're weary tired of searching, weary of trying, to some, trying some new thing to help you get through another week or another month or another season. You're tired of the blindness in this world. You're tired of all the things that are happening around you. You're weary. I'm telling you about the doorway today. I want you to find the door. I want you to find the place that you're going to get the refreshing that you need. If you're tired of the blindness in this world and tired of the blindness of your own sin, you have a door that you can access to refreshing, and that's in Jesus Christ, and his spirit is inviting you. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 tells us to repent, therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Notice this next line. So that times of refreshing, times of refreshing, you can only be refreshed by Jesus Christ when you come to him in conversion. There's something that happens. Thank God that we have access to the door. I'm going to be ending soon. But we have refreshing. We can be refreshed in Jesus. And it comes in repentance and being cleansed of our sins. Isaiah said it like this, Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. He says, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. To whom he said, this, what is this? His spirit. This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. The next scripture, the next part of the verse says, yet they would not hear. Talking about the Israelites. But I'm talking to some people today that you hear me. You hear me and you're ready to respond. There's refreshing in Jesus Christ and I don't care what the enemy has tried to tell you in deceiving you I don't care what the world has tried to convince you of God has a different perspective and he looks on you and says if they'll just find the doorway I've got something for them if they'll find where I'm working and get in among my people I've got refreshing Spirit, the spirit of refreshing is right there for them. You don't have to go on from where you are. Living blind, tired, weary. You don't have to go from here without having sight, without being renewed. You can have everything you need right here. And if you need to, you can repent of your sins right here. No one else is going to know. That's between you and God when you start turning your life around. 
God knows, God sees. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, you can be baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You say, I've not had that experience yet. I'm not certain about that. I'm not so sure. You can ask him. You can ask him. If you've been obedient, you can go boldly to the throne room. And you can ask him. And he will give you the rest that you need. He will give you the refreshing that you need. Aren't you so thankful that we have a door? That we're not like those blind men in Genesis. There is a door that we can access. Enemy may be trying to blind you. This world may be trying to blind you and make you weary. But there is a door that you can get access to. Jesus Christ. If you'll stand with me. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that's here today. God, I'm preaching to someone this morning. They're weary. They're worn out. They're tired. They have been searching, searching for answers. God, I pray right now that your spirit will do what I cannot do to preach a thousand messages about what you can do but that's nothing compared to you actually doing it God I pray right now that your spirit would move into this place those people that are weary God that your spirit would begin to draw them God to be obedient to take action because it's obedience and faith that you respond to God, I pray that you'd move in. If they're at home, they're watching, they're joining, I pray that you'd touch them in their living room, touch them in their home. Let your spirit prove your word today. In Jesus' name.